What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft Driver, and Gig Economy News. Sponsored by UberLiftDrivers.com, RidesharRodeo.com, with Para.com. I'm your host, SJ. Let's get it on. So I have Tom Kelly and Tom Kirk with me here today from TNC Live Radio, uh, based out of Houston, Texas. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what a, dr- a lot of drivers have been asking me, um, what it takes to get into the trucking industry, um, what the life is like in the trucking industry, and what the pay structure is like. And uh, yeah, and we're going to just kind of see where this organic conversation takes us, but we do have a live trucker in the conversation right now. And uh, we have Tom at the, uh, I think at the TNC uh, laboratory. (laughs) Um, Home studio. Yeah, home studio. And uh, we're going to, well, we're just going to jump in and and see, because I've had more and more requests from people, from rideshare drivers wondering, because they see, I think they see these numbers out there and what you can make as a trucker. And I think a lot of people are pretty surprised that, those numbers are so are actually pretty high. Like you can make a good living. I know like um, Tom, I know that you and I have, when we talked previous, I know that those hours, I mean, are crazy. I know that anyway, from just background and knowing that, but um, so it is, it isn't an easy life, but it's a, but it seems like a well-paid one. Yeah. Steve, when we started uh, TNC radio live, it was going to be dedicated to rideshare drivers Mm-hmm. But then the rideshare market fell apart in the midst of the pandemic. But, you know, there was somebody out there who was still going, and that was the truckers. And we found out pretty shortly afterwards that they had taken a liking to us, and we had taken a liking to them. And we began a program every afternoon uh, that was called the Truckers Network Radio Show. And one person led to another, and, and we were introduced to a guy named Tom Kirk. Uh, talking about a group that helps truckers out during Christmas time. And um, Tom came on our station and did a couple of interviews. I mean, uh, actually, we, he was kind of pushing it as far as whether or not they were going to make their money uh, that they needed to make last year. And uh, they were on with us and shortly thereafter made their goals and those kinds of things. We were excited. He was excited. Long story short, now he's part of our partnership here and uh helps to manage the station and uh, do all those kinds of things. But he spends all day long out driving truck. And that's why I wanted to bring him along uh, in this conversation because he's been doing this more than 15 years now. And um, I don't know how many, have you broken a million miles yet, Tom? At least once, probably twice by now. And I'm probably working on three. So. Yeah. We complain, uh, you know, Steve, you and I complain about doing rideshare driving. We run up uh, 50, 60, 70,000 miles in our car. 
sure. million miles. And uh, not only that, uh, he's a partner driver, so they don't just stop. Uh, when it's time to stop, they switch, and one of them gets in the back in the sleeper and sleeps for the required amount of time, and the other one drives. And uh, so they keep going. So they, they will cover, you know, they'll get halfway across the country in a day or so because they don't stop unless they need petrol and, and food. So that's, that's my introduction for you, Tom Kirk. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's put it this way. I, we can make it from basically central Pennsylvania, um, Hagerstown area, Hershey, PA area, uh, to Memphis, Tennessee, in about 15 to 18 hours, depending on traffic. Except for probably right now, isn't the Memphis thing still an issue? It, it still <laughs> is, but fortunately, when I say Memphis, I'm this side of the river, not the other side of the river. Okay. But uh, fortunately, 10, 10 dot and R dot have made some improvements to some of the roads in the areas, which has dropped um, some of the wait times, which, which was exceeding three to five hours. So they're down for the most part now on most days, well under an hour in both directions. Okay. Um, what was it at the peak? Cause I know last time I talked to Tom, it was, uh, it was still a pretty bad scenario. The worst day that we ever saw talking to some friends of mine who live in the area and looking at some of the maps, it was about a 20 plus mile backup going eastbound, which equated to about five hours. So maybe we'll get into this in a second, but I'm sure that maybe in some scenarios, but not others, that affects your pay. It can. I mean, if the wheels aren't turning, they're not earning. So that's where an experienced driver mm -hmm. is going to be looking at everything from Google Maps to state traffic apps to listening to places like TNC Radio, mm -hmm. pulling in all this information. And ideally, in some cases, we had drivers who were leaving Dallas and they were diverting uh, down into the Mississippi area on 20 cutting up on 59 towards Chattanooga that way, you know, they were, you know, other drivers maybe heading up towards Oklahoma city. So that's one of the things when you're aware of major issues like this trip planning is something that truck drivers talk about a lot. And that's basically, you look at where you are, you look at where you're going, you look at what's in between and you figure out the best route. Some companies give you a lot of flexibility on that. Some companies assign you a specific route. Uh, mm -hmm. particularly if you're a new driver, you know, odds are your company's going to want you to stick to specific routes. But if you see a problem, that's where you communicate with your dispatcher or fleet manager, what, whatever that particular company calls it and says, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. What can we do to try to figure this out? And in a lot of cases, they'll say, Hey, you know what? You're right. Take this other route instead. Okay. So, and that, in that case, that can save you a lot of time. Uh, you might add 30 or 40 miles to the trip, 50 miles to the trip, but you may have saved yourself five hours. Okay. So I guess let's bring it back to the beginning though. One question that I have, I have a friend who did, he's about the same, you know, six plus years as me in rideshare. And he just recently in the last, about six, seven months ago, switched over to trucking. Um, and he was confused in the beginning, and I really didn't know either, whether to do they pay for your school and then you go right to work for a company or he could have paid for it himself. What he did was he did the they pay 
And he told me right afterwards he wished he had, he had paid. Uh, that is me. The, the, the number one mistake the new drivers make is taking company-sponsored training. And, and the reason is, for those of us who've had experience with or been in the industry, industry for a while, we tend to use the term indentured servitude. Um, okay. And what that basically means is you sign a contract with a company that says either for the next one, two, or in some cases, three years, they'll pay for your training, maybe even give you certain living expenses, housing expenses, et cetera. But in exchange for that, you'll work for them for a certain length of time. And if you get to a company and it's not a good fit for whatever reason, you're kind of stuck there. Yeah, there are some ways you can sometimes move or switch companies, but you have this buyout or contract that you're responsible for, for their, their payment. And some companies are, are very good in how they treat their new drivers. Some companies, not so much. That's where doing your homework is. So for drivers who have the ability to private pay or get a, a state grant or some kind of an educational grant, where they can go to a school of their choice and everything else. That's my number one recommendation, because if you get to a company that's not a great fit for whatever set of reasons, that gives you more flexibility to move to a place that is a better fit. Or it could be a good fit to start off with, but you're now a year or so into your contract. You still have a ways left to go on and a job opportunity comes along that you would like to take. But because of that contract, that may limit your options. Yeah, understood. And I would think that, you know, maybe some people get maybe a little tricked in by that too, because they think, you know, hey, how for sure will I get a job the day I'm done? And really, I know that the trucking industry is booming. I mean, like, it'll, you're going to get a job. So uh, as it's, long as, sorry, as long as you have a pretty much a clean CDL. You've mm -hmm. mastered your skills. You got, you got your state license and the appropriate endorsements for the job you want to do. Right now, there's a bunch of companies out there that will hire you. Companies that even traditionally were not considered to be training companies. A training company means you come into the industry with minimal to no experience. And this company is saying, okay, we're going to take the basic skills you learned, help you hone them, take you to a higher level, make you a, a hopefully a better, more professional driver. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, you know, ideally in the ideal situation, you'll choose to stay with that company for a long period of time, maybe going to be a trainer, but a lot of drivers will choose to go on to other opportunities. So that's basically where a training company is. And some companies that normally required maybe two, three years of experience are now taking drivers with maybe six months a year or in some cases fresh out of school uh, because they do need drivers or in some cases they've decided we want to train drivers our way to our standards so, so there's a bunch of reasons for that those changes in the industry so when okay so when a when a let's say a driver signs up to work through the fleet and they're going to have them pay for their school are they going to the same training that the people who are paying themselves are or are they in going to a training directly through that company now? It depends on the company. Okay. Um, some companies do have their own schools located at their facilities. Some companies also work with training schools in other areas. So it could be a case where it could be a bit of both um, or it's all one or the other. But a lot of companies you will see they, um, I know when I went 
to, to the school that I went to, it was an independent school. Uh, they didn't take any of these contracts per se, but how they worked is they worked with a bunch of different schools. And if uh, you wanted to, you could kind of sign a contract with them and do it that way, but it wasn't a direct program per se. Gotcha. You know, so, Steve, uh, one of the things that makes really shock you is you don't have to go to school. What? Yeah. That, yeah. You just did really shock me. What are you talking about? <laughs> yep, he is correct. If, um, if I wanted Tom, you know, let's say I, I rode around with Tom for the next six months and said, Hey, teach me everything there is to know about truck driving. And then I went and took the test here in the state of Texas where I am. I could get a CDL license here in the state of Texas and go right about my business. I don't have to show the state of, I just have to pass the test right now. That's the law. There's lots of things happening with that where we, we see that changing in the near future, but uh, yeah, your dad could teach you, your uh, husband can teach you, your best friend can teach you whatever. But if you can pass the test and get your CDL, you get your CDL. Right. But, uh, well, I was just going to say, how do you learn all the ins and the, uh, I mean, cause you can't let somebody literally drive if you're trying to help them. And, well, Okay, we're, we're going to get to try to get into something kind of a really complicated story and try to make it as simple as possible. Okay. Uh, traditional trucking schools, it's, it's sort of like when you go to college or high school or wherever or vocational school. Um, they have instructors that give you a certain amount of classroom time. Then you go out with them, you know, kind of like a driver's ed where, you know, you drive for a while, somebody else drives for a while, and they prepare you for the test and coach you and get you through the test. Then you move on to your first job. Some of the training companies, though, what they do is, you know, they take you, they get you to your learner's permit. Um, and that you get a little bit of instruction there, then they put you out with a trainer while you have this permit and you're driving and learning with your trainer and making a certain degree of money. Um, kind of I, I, apprentice program isn't quite the right term, but sort of along that concept. And what Tom was talking about is something similar. It's where you can get a learner's permit and if, and if the driver's insurance company will cover it or you know, he'll teach you what he can, where he can, and basically prepare you for that test, mentor, mentor you for your, that test, then you'd go back and take it. Um, and a lot of people I've talked to who have went through the companies that have programs like that where it's it's – less of a, a classroom type of environment and more on the road. I hear very mixed opinions on that. Some drivers like that approach. Some don't. Um, some drivers that I know, and, and quite a few of the drivers I know have learned what we call the old school way, which is what Tom was talking about, where you go out with a driver uh, and, and you learn about it. I'm actually a very good friend of mine was taught by his uncle and his uncle taught him was what he called, uh, particularly when it came learning to shift with the yardstick method. He missed a gear. His uncle would reach from the back of the bunk where he was slipping, <laughs> snap him on the knuckles, start over. Um, he learned real quick, oddly enough. So for some strange reasons, they don't like the yardstick method nowadays. I don't know why. Um, but that is a very good way. Uh, my co-driver now, even though he went to a school, he went out with his granddad for about a year. And his granddad taught him the ins and outs. And... I have no problem. I mean, he had about a year of experience when I started driving with, I had no problem going to, into the bunk to go to sleep behind him because I knew who had trained him. I knew the standard he had been trained to and 
this this guy is great at shifting. I call him a kid because he's almost young enough to be my son. Um, but but this gentleman is he's great at shifting. He knows what he's doing. He's very calm under pressure. Um, and a lot of that was things his granddad taught him. So there are a bunch of different ways to do it. But but the most common ways are through a, a traditional school system or through one of these training programs that could use a school or these driver driver trainer programs. And, and one of the issues I do personally have with trucking right now is this these some of these terms like driver trainer and, and and all this other stuff there isn't a set definition different companies call use the same terms for slightly different approaches so it gets a little confusing and that's where you really have to sit down either with the school you're going to or the company you're thinking about going to and make sure you understand when they say driver trainer or driver mentor or whatever the terms may be that you understand what their definition is Okay. So what, what is the, and, and, and for, well, I guess first question is what, is this a state by state thing? Are some states not, do not allow that kind of training and you must go through the training or is this, is this to, every state in the to, nation that you can. To my knowledge, all 48 states, you do not have to go to a formal school to be trained. Okay. If you can find someone who will train you, you can go that way. Now, there may be an exception to that. I, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert at, on, on all the DOT regulations of all the states. But to my knowledge, um, you are not required to go through this school. As long as you can find somebody who will get you a truck with the appropriate insurance and you can show up and pass the driver's test, you're good. Okay. And then following up with that, what is the average cost of somebody paying out of pocket if they don't know a trucker? They want to get into this. Um, that's a little hard for me to answer because it's been so many years since I, I've done it. I've kept up on the actual numbers, but I'm going to say somewhere's probably. You can find some cheaper, quick programs um, mm-hmm. that will probably get you through for less than five, let's say less than five thousand dollars, maybe in the three thousand dollar range. Okay. Some of the schools that are through the community colleges. Um, and our much longer programs of, of multiple weeks, if not months, could be closer to ten, twelve thousand wow. dollars. Yeah, the, the average is around three to four, uh, but okay, uh, one, one to eight is kind of the most common. Uh, you know, you, you're going to find, and like like Tom said, the community college is often the way a lot of people go right now because you don't have to be going full time; it's spread out over a number of weeks and months and you can continue to do whatever you're doing now and then go to class at night or, you know, just a specific time during the day. So we see a lot of people doing that at this point. Yeah. I, I know that my, my friend um, lives just outside of Phoenix uh, who did ride share and who moved into trucking. And I know he paid just under five or he would have had to pay just under five if he wanted to pay out of pocket. Part of the problem was he didn't have it. He even kind of thought, you know, this is probably the better method, <laughs> obviously. Like, I'm just feeling that. But he said, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't have it. I'm going to have to go the other route. And now he's kind of like, I think, like Tom Kirk was saying, he's kind of feeling a little stuck. Well, that's better than going the University of Phoenix method. Well, sure. If it's going <laughs> to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, it's too bad he didn't have the money. 
you know, yeah. or that, well, that alone wasn't available that was within his reach. Yeah. In that, some, sorry, Tom, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, especially if you're doing a community college or that kind of thing, you can get grants and scholarships and, and those kind, kinds of things. Yeah. And with some programs that are state accredited, usually through community colleges, though some um, driving schools are straight state accredited programs, you may be able to qualify for federal financial aid as well, mm-hmm. like a student loan. So yeah. there are options out there. A lot of states also will have job training programs, depending on if you're a veteran, maybe you have a worker's comp injury and some kind of a uh, workplace rehabilitation program because you've been laid off or you're considered to be underserved. There's all different kinds of programs out there, but until you go around and start asking, Right, And they vary from state to state and area to area. And it's one of those things you have to go and, and do, the, do the work and do the research and do the homework to find the aid. Okay. Um, so when you, when you go through one of these trainings and you have, and you decide, okay, let's, let's say that you, you went the route he did. Um, do most of these companies talk to you about staying in state, cross country, what you're going to be doing or that's really a case we almost have to talk to each company certain my general experience or rule of thumb is when you go to one of these companies to work for your first job starting off in the industry you're going to be called either regional or cross-country it's very rare you're going to land a local job right out of right out of school when you first get your cdl does it happen Yes, but but that's very unusual. Regional basically is the company you work for will assign you either a certain number of states or a, a mile radius, 500 to 1,000 miles, whatever it may be, depending on the company, where they usually keep you within that region. Other companies will say, okay, no, you're going to go all 48 states or whatever region they drive, because some some companies don't do all 48 states. They, you know, they cut out certain areas for different reasons. Um, so you'll do something like that. And then once you get a certain number of weeks or months with the company, then various other things like dedicated driving, where you work for one specific customer or local, where you usually are home every night or most every night, um, mm-hmm. becomes options. And, and that's the other thing, too, is watch out for some companies. They'll say they have local driving jobs. But their local driving job may mean you could be home every weekend. So this is really where you have to kind of talk to the company and figure out exactly how they define certain things. You know, some companies' idea of regional might be within two to three days, like within a two-day drive of your house. So let's say if you live in Pennsylvania, they may consider Memphis or St. Louis to be a regional. Other companies might consider it to be from Pennsylvania, Cleveland, maybe Chicago. Okay. But I had never heard that. I didn't know that there was a, even if you're doing multi-states, a home by the weekend type thing. Some companies do have that options, uh, particularly in the last year or so. Um, a lot more companies are getting much more flexible with how they do their home time because of the fact that drivers are wanting to be home more um, to see their families for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. Um uh, you know, driver pay has went up significantly. When I first started about 15, 16 years ago, I would tell a brand new driver going into the industry, um, 
you could easily expect that you're going to pay or you you would be told you make about $40,000 a year on average, maybe, you know, between 30 and 40 your first year. I always told new drivers, expect 20 to 30 uh, because you're learning the company, you're learning all this stuff. The mileage rates when I was starting out tended to be very low. You know, companies weren't going to put you on these longer time pressured runs till they under, knew you could handle them. So that was some of the things that they you'd be looking at. So I always said, you're not going to make what a lot of the recruiters are telling you. Now, though, uh, particularly in the last year with the pandemic, driver wages have went up dramatically. The industry average has went up from around forty-five dollars to $50,000 a year to probably, I would say, much closer to seventy dollars to $80,000 a year or more. To start? Um, now, to, um, Sometimes, uh, sometimes yeah. I, I always hate saying starting wages because it depends on so many factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say right now for starting wages, I am comfortable giving a range of 35 to 50 for your first year or so. Okay. Um, but after you get that first year in those opportunities to be in that 60, 70, 80 and up range, particularly if you're willing to drive team, it takes a, a special temperament of a person to be locked into an eight by eight box with another person 24 mm-hmm. hours a day for days, if not weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to have the patience of a saint. Not everyone can do it. Not everyone can sleep while someone else is going down the road. Those jobs typically are going to pay in the hundred thousand and up range much more quickly for someone who's starting into the industry uh, than somebody who wants to drive solo and be home every weekend. And that's the other thing is, you know, some companies you get paid a little bit more if you stay out longer. There's all these questions you have to ask. And the two or three questions that I always encourage drivers to ask is this, you know, number one, what's your turnover? If you've got a company that's telling you they have turnover 150 to 200% drivers a year, mm-hmm. you may want to try to find out why. Yikes. Yeah. Um, you know, that, and the next question is, is ask them what is their average length of service? So, you know, if their company has been around, 30 plus years, but their average uh, driver is, they're saying it's only been around for eight to 10 years. Okay. That kind of makes you, once again, that's a question that makes you wonder why. If they're saying, oh, most of our drivers have been here for 20 plus years, then you know, okay, this is probably a very good, stable company. Those are some of the questions you want to ask, just like you would really at any other job. Um, And the other thing though, I'm going to be very realistic with new drivers is that first year or so, you may not end up with the best company. Um, you've got to get that experience in to get to some of the better companies. And is it fair? I'll be honest. No, it's not. Um, but it, you know, it's the, as a lot of us who've been in the industry for a while, it's called paying your dues, you know, just like at any other job. Uh, but the good news is the light at the end of the tunnel, you don't have to pay those dues as long now to get to the better opportunities. When I first started to get to the really good jobs, they were looking at drivers with three and five years of experience. Um, if you want to go to work for a company like Walmart, you better have five years of spotless record and pretty much know someone there. Nowadays, you can go into Walmart with less than a year of experience with a very good driving record and things like that and have a much better opportunity of getting a job than, than a driver 15 years ago they had with 10 plus years of experience. So things have changed a lot in the last few years. Uh, Steve, you know, one of the things too, to think of, okay, so you go through all of this, you learn how to drive, 
you're getting your experience and all, that's not, you're not done yet. You still got to pass the physical. And if physical okay. is required, uh, and, and depending on, uh, you know, who you are, what you are, what, what you're doing, um, could be required uh, as, uh, as often as a year. And uh, you could sometimes get what they call the two-year card if you're really lucky, if you're really healthy. Uh, but you're going to have to, from time to time, go through a physical that checks your vision, uh, your color, uh, you know, how well you see colors, uh, blood pressure, hearing, your your heart health, your medications that you're on. You're, they're going to do your analysis and make sure you're not taking anything. Right. Uh, and and you would be shocked to find out that a huge number of drivers fail their first year your analysis and they go through all the trouble to get trained and then uh you know well yeah i just you know had a little pot about a week ago no big deal and well it, it yeah, is it is a big deal now <laughs> it is and um and i would then, imagine that scorns your your record too well, yeah, it I mean, does. You, you, kind of, you have to go through a special program and all that kind of stuff. And the trucking industry is a lot smarter than they used to be. They get it sometimes that people need to, you know, step out, uh, if you will, because they've got a problem. And there's ways to do that now without losing your career. But amazingly, amazingly, uh, less than 20% of the people who do get caught uh, using some kind of substance actually go through the program to stay in trucking. Hmm. I mean, they, they just, they don't even bother. They get it, caught. It seems like that should be the first thing then before you're even allowed to start training. <laughs> you take and one and <laughs> the most reputable training schools that I'm aware of. Um, one of the first thing among the first things you will do is you will take your physical if not on the first or second day within your first week there, and you'll have to pass that at least the school that, that I went to and the training company that I used to work at, um, that, like I said, that was within the first week you, you would have to take it. And, you know, because they were trying to weed those people out very early on in the program. So no one's time was wasted. Other programs though, may not be that, uh, conscientious. Shall we they, say. Might, they might want your money. Regardless of what happens after the match, we can, after we the can say that we can say that. <laughs> it's too good to be true. It really is too good to be true because sometimes they'll, yeah. oh, we're going to fly you to Orlando. We're going to put you up in a Disney World hotel. You're going to, you know, it's going to be so much fun. And you know, and they sell this thing like it's a package vacation deal. Um, and you realize pretty early on that, oops, uh, this isn't actually a Disney hotel and oops, I'm not really getting the training I need. And, and you're at the money, you know, there's not, there's not a governing body that says, well, that school's a ripoff. So don't go there. No. So do you, do your research, basically. Do your research, do your research, do your research, look at the options. Absolutely. Um, the, The other thing that goes along with this too, is a lot of companies when you first get in, um, I, I hate to use the expression, they, there's a sucker born every minute and they're looking for the people who fell off the cabbage truck. But you do go to a company, they're, let's say they're reputable for their training, you get through the training. Now they're going to start, they may start pushing you to join a lease program. Um, 
I, there's various opinions on lease programs. The vast majority of the lease programs, though, where they try to get you to buy a truck, mm-hmm. it gets back to what I said earlier. Ask them the numbers. What's the turnover rate? How many people successfully complete it? Uh, you know, how many people started and drop out and after what length of time? And, and more often than not, the vast majority of these lease programs are designed to make the company money. Mm-hmm. They're not designed to help you in any way, shape, or form. Um, that's not saying I haven't had friends who have done the lease programs and have been very successful with them. I've also had friends who have lost their shirts, in some cases, literally. Yeah. Um, so that I am not a huge fan of the lease program. I have looked in it at several times, and some old school drivers taught me a different way of doing the math that they will show you when, when you go to the lease presentation. And for me, the way I would did the calculations and it has changed quite a little bit. So my, the numbers that I could give, I don't even really like giving now because a lot of those numbers have changed for how you would sure. do the calculation, but basically you would end up for working between eight and 15 cents a mile um, under a lot of circumstances. Yeah, there were some ways you could technically make more, but that is only if you got fuel mileage of a certain level and higher and it got real complicated fast. Yeah. So for the average, the average driver getting into these lease programs, you're going to work every bit as hard, if not harder than a regular driver. You're going to have all these bills because if the truck breaks down, um, I call my boss goes, Hey boss, the truck broke down. Okay. Well, He'll either get me a rental truck, put me into a hotel, whatever he needs to do, he'll do it. He'll pay for the the, the um, truck repair bill. If I own the truck or I'm buying it, I've got to figure out who's going to repair it, how I'm going to pay for it, where sure. I'm going to stay while it's being worked on, all these other things. And for me personally, when I sat down and looked at it, I decided it wasn't worth it. Um, and so that's the one thing is if you do want to get your own truck, you know, you can make a lot of money that way if you have a smart business plan. Take your time. I usually tell people, don't buy your own truck for at least one to two years so you're in the industry. You want to learn some of the ins and outs, freight patterns, all this other stuff. I mean, even in the last year, because of the pandemic, freight patterns that have been very predictable for the last five to 10 years or better have completely changed to the point where even mm-hmm. people who are usually good at predicting freight patterns are scratching their heads going, we don't get it because places where normally you'd expect to see freight, there isn't. Uh, places that historically have no freight are paying huge rates to get freight moved. Uh, it has changed the industry on its head because of the shortage of drivers, um, the issues at the various ports, all these things that factor together. And, you know, there's a really, and we, Tom and I have said this, I don't know how many times today, trucking, can, you can make a lot of money in it, or you can make a comfortable income in it, but do your homework. Yeah. It seems like you could uh, make a little more than a comfortable living. I, it took me about 14 years to get to the company where I'm at now. And I went from making between 30 and $40,000 a year on average, you know, more or less mm-hmm. than the average thing. And I was considered a senior driver at my company. And there was a, some, a variety of reasons for it. But now I am doing much better, uh, getting closer to the six-figure side. But I work hard for it. Yes, sure. uh, and and, and when it, well, I shouldn't even say that. The job I have now is much easier than jobs I've had in the past. 
Um, but because we're the truck's constantly moving, um, you're always trying to be conscious of the, of the other person in the truck. And I hope I just didn't wake my co-driver up here a few minutes ago. Um, (laughs) but you're trying to be conscious of this stuff and considerate of the other person. So there's challenges to this, but yes, you do make more money. Mm -hmm. You know, Steve, a lot of people don't realize that there's essentially three ways you, you can be driving a truck. One is you're a company driver. They supply the truck, they supply you know, whatever you need. Like Tom said, you got a problem, you call them, they fix the problem. That The other way is you can lease a truck and um, you're sometimes part of a company that does that. And sometimes you can do some stuff on your own. But the most common uh, that you see a lot of drivers do is they own their own truck. And you'd be surprised. Well, I, 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 I love trivia numbers and stuff like that. How many companies do you think have over 5,000 trucks in the shipping industry? I mean, I would be just throwing a dart here, so I have no idea. (laughs) Throw a dart, you'll be wrong. Don't worry. (laughs) Only 40 companies have more than 5,000 trucks. Okay. How many owner-operators having six or fewer trucks do you think there are? Um, Probably (laughs) 100,000. 500,000. Wow. So so there are a lot of people who are there, but there's a lot of pressure in the industry and things. Truck drivers don't get to control a lot of things in the world, like how much insurance they're going to be required to have. Uh, If that spikes up the way that some in Congress want to do, we're going to lose a lot of owner operators because they just simply will not be able to justify being out there on the road, spending that much money on insurance and not being able to uh, you know, make, make the money that they want to make. And so it's, there's a lot that goes into, so I think really you hit it on the head a little while ago, Steve, if you decide this is what you really want to do, that you want to go out there and, and drive a truck, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of research to do. And I very much encourage you to talk to multiple drivers, even if it's hanging out in a truck stop and saying, hey, can I, most of them are very interested in talking about what they do and how they do it. And you're better off talking to drivers than you are just reading on the internet or, you know, calling a truck driving company or whatever. These guys like Tom, um, they know what they've been through. You know, like we said, Tom's driven million, two million miles. Uh, you know, he knows what's right and what's wrong and, you know, where people get themselves in trouble and those kinds of things. And it's, uh, it's good to have that kind of experience behind you before you say, all right, I'm going to school to get my CDL. Yeah. It seems like a great, it seems like almost a better than a Google way would be to go to a truck stop, a, a very high um, volume truck stop. And, you know, cause you might get a driver who's like, don't come into this industry. It sucks. Blah, blah. You're going to no, get a few I, of those, but you know, it seems like you might get some really real world, you know, good advice too. Yeah, yeah, and you should hear that. You should hear those guys who are really disgruntled. Find out why they're really disgruntled. What is it they hate so much about their job? Most drivers love their jobs, but there are those out there who hate it, and you need to understand that side of it too. I mean, if anybody walks up to me and says, do you think I should get into trucking? My first answer always to them is no. Uh, and they kind of look <laughs> at me a little weird. I says, because trucking, number one, is a lifestyle. You're, you're to be very successful in trucking as a rule of thumb. And don't forget there trucking has so many different niche jobs in there. 
I'm trying to speak in a very broad sense, but typically mm-hmm. you're going to be home days, weeks, potentially months at a time from friends and family. You're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss anniversaries. You're going to miss when people are sick. You, if, if you're married, you know, you're going to miss your kids for a soccer goal. You're going to have to deal with the phone call at three in the morning from your wife going, the water heater just blew up. What do I do? Uh, These are all real things that you're going to have to deal with as part of life on the road. But if if you can deal with that, if you realize that the first year or two could be a bit of a struggle to find that niche, you find that company that that works for you and all these and and, and the niche in trucking that works for you, because once you find that it works. But the other thing, too, is diesel is an addiction. After what I've noticed is drivers who are in the industry much more than three to five years, but especially five years, they'll try to leave. And I cannot tell you how many friends I've had who have retired, left for other jobs, thought about leaving, and are still driving trucks. One of the best examples I have is a a, a young lady. Um, I won't mention her age, but she's um, (laughs) Um, she's 70. Let's just say she's been driving for over 50 years. Okay. Um, and we joke that finally the day is going to come when we're going to get the phone call from the boss saying, we need you to go see Idella. Why? Well, we can't get her out of the truck. What do you mean you can't get out of the truck? Well, she passed away and somebody needs to unbolt the steering wheel. And she, she even admits that she says, I'm probably going to die in the truck. And she has no intention of retiring. She talks about it, but at the end of the day, she'll admit, I don't plan on it. She enjoys the lifestyle so much. And in many ways it is a lifestyle. Um, I know I have some drivers who vehemently argue with me on that and they say it shouldn't be a lifestyle. I've from personal experience, the drivers who seem to enjoy driving truck the most realize it's a lifestyle and we can separate when we're in the truck from when we're not in the truck. The drivers who tend to be the crankiest are the ones who it all kind of blends together in different ways or they're saying, oh no, trucking should never become a lifestyle. But they always seem to be the ones who are grumpy about something. Uh, The drivers who really seem to enjoy it realize, hey, when you're on the road, it is a certain kind of a lifestyle. And some people adapt to it very, very well. And some people don't, you know, people who think that they're going to be home for every holiday in trucking. Actually, this is my number one tip. If a trucking company tells you they're going to have you home for every holiday, run. <laughs> uh, that, uh, they, they, or get, or that, get it in writing. Uh, run. <laughs> I don't care if it's in writing. Run. Uh, <laughs> Are there a few particularly smaller companies that will make sure you're home for every holiday? Yes. But if it's a big company and they tell you you're going to be home for every single one, that is a lie. And actually, speaking of that, I got to go back to work for just a minute. So I'm going to let you and Tom talk and I shall return momentarily. Okay. Um, So, Tom, uh, I guess, uh, you know, one thing I was just going to say to him, too, is that the people that I get who are interested, though, are rideshare drivers who have been doing this for years. So I think they are kind of already that many steps ready where he was saying, you know, I, I tell everybody that, no, you don't want to get in this. I think the rideshare drivers who are interested do want to get in this. Yeah. And, and one of the things that a lot of the uh, even seasoned truckers don't realize is the rideshare life while we're not usually gone overnight um, you know, it's, it also can be brutally long and lots oh, of yeah. 
wheel and and uh, instead of having to share our uh, eight by eight foot we've got four by four feet that it's not one person we get all sorts of people in the car who we may or may not even want in the car exactly uh, but you know there's uber trucking now yeah i've been fo- we've been following uber trucking for a while yeah. Um, you know, their technology, I think, is to really move to the yeah, autonomous. Thank you very much, my friend. <laughs> and that's part of what you have to do, too, and, and where Tom's coming from, is that uh, when the cut, when the client walks out and, and starts talking to you, uh, nothing else matters. No matter if you're on the phone with your boss or your wife or getting a, uh, being interviewed for a podcast. Uh, it's, it's time to jump in and and uh, and have that conversation, uh, but we're we're used to that kind of stuff. But you're right, um, you know the uh, the people I think coming out of rideshare who are looking at trucking, this is the next logical step, you know, because right. they're already doing it. They're they're already used to it. They're, they they understand that uh, this is um, it is a lifestyle. I mean, you know. But, uh, Ubering and Lyft, you know, that that's a lifestyle too. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, uh, when I do it, I put in 10 hour days, Sure. you know, I mean, 12 hour days sometimes. So, and like you said, then I have the, you know, I have passengers, some are great, some suck. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we call those the pack souls, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, and so there's, there's, there's that too. I mean, you're, you're, you don't have to deal with that portion of it. Exactly. You know, exactly. and I think I think some people like the adventure of taking on the road. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, I do. You know, I love being in my car. Oh, yeah. 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 It, 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 it's a lot of fun. And you don't, you know, uh, you know, one of the big differences between ride share and trucking is that for the most part, you know where you're going to be at the end of the day to day. But um, uh, you might want to mute that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you don't you, you don't necessarily know. I'm I'm here in Houston, and uh, the other night I uh, uh, started off on the far southeast side of Houston, over by NASA. And uh, next thing I knew, I'm on the far northwest side of Houston, uh, more than an hour from home, doing these little puddle jumps from place to place, waiting for that big ride that gets me back down to this side. And you know, it's. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, I said I'll, I'll be home by seven. It was ten thirty before I walked in the house, you know, and that's just the way yeah. it goes. I mean, I have a son at home, and I mean, he's got, he's gotten very used to. I set my pars, you know. I make a schedule for myself every week, kind of thing. But I also like if I say, "Here's my schedule," that might have to adapt a little bit because I have pars every day. Sure, you know, I have to hit at least, let's say, X. So if I'm not to X by the end of that day, I need to at least pull a couple more hours. Right. Well, and, and that's just worse what than, it is. Yeah, you got a promotion and you've got four rides left to go before you're going to get that extra hundred bucks or whatever. And it's like, I can't stop now. Right. <laughs> got to finish. Or it. if it's like the, you know, I got, let's say that I got a, um, an avalanche hockey game and a, and a Rockies game and the playoffs going on exactly. and it's about to let out both are about to let out within 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's a horrible time to call it quits. Right. Exactly. Or, you know, I got at least another hour and a half, two hours under my belt, even if I'm tired. Part of what we do is uh, our, our broadcast uh, when we're talking about uh, the rideshare stuff is we're always telling people uh, the best time to go to the airport. You know, you've got, and we've got two big airports here in Houston. And one of them, sometimes you have three or 4,000 people coming in in a 30 minute 
period. And, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I, like I have an air tracker app yeah, so that I can watch how many flights are coming in. So I have a volume that I can see and I know. Which is exactly why we started the radio station to start with. That's why it's called TNC radio. Yeah. <laughs> Worked out perfect. Yeah, well, TNC, <laughs> the idea was that it was going to be TNC as in rideshare, and, and gotcha. first to his rideshare, mm-hmm. and we wanted to do it because not everybody has access to those apps or even understand how to use them and how to get the most out of them. So the idea was we were going to get, provide that information. But like I said, we, the plan was to start that last March. Right. Well, a funny thing happened on the way to the starting of the company. And uh, we had to uh, pull all that back and and uh, regroup, and then we started working a lot with truckers. But now that Rideshare's back, we're back working with Rideshare too, and uh, people can hear uh, your podcast uh, every day at noon Central Time on our station. And mm-hmm. uh, we also have po- podcasts from uh, Harry Campbell and mm-hmm. and others. We also have podcasts from from truck drivers and 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 truckers and talking about the the life and that kind of stuff. And that runs from uh, one to three every day. So that's the kind of thing that drivers can listen to while they're out doing their thing. And, and um, in the mornings and afternoons, we have live uh, 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 reports on traffic and weather. And and we don't just look at Houston. We look all over the nation. And, you know, this morning there was a, a uh, big tie up in Chicago that we talked about. And, you know, we got the fires out West where m- many highways in Arizona are, are, are talked about. So, you know, we're trying to address as many commercial drivers as we can and give them the information that they need. If nothing else, so they can go look it up themselves and figure out what they want to do. I can't necessarily tell you the best way to get around the issue on the bridge in Memphis, because I don't mm-hmm. know whether you're going North or South or, or, you know, what your ultimate plan is. But at least you know the information is there. And we've even had the uh, um, speaker for RDOT, the public information for uh, the Arkansas Department of Transportation, on the air. Uh, Tom nailed him down and got him on the air to tell us what's going on with that kind of stuff. So that's what that's the service we're trying to provide. Yeah, I've, I've actually just tuned in to TNC uh, live just, just to see what's going on. I've actually caught you a couple times. Um, I know that you're the one to three because I've actually you have a co-host or some or most often, right? Yeah, we we always work in pairs. Uh, yeah, just, it's good radio practice. We try not to uh, have anybody left by themselves, especially when we're giving reports, uh, live reports, because uh, you know there's there could be something going on in downtown Houston, but at the same time, there's just been a major, say, a tornado warning going off for Washington D.C. like it was yesterday afternoon. Right. You need somebody to jump in and say, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt this camera. And we have a lot of fun. You know, we do trivia and we have, you know, music and all the kind. Of, so we're having fun. But every so often you got to say time out. Something serious just happened. And every driver needs to know about this. going to be on I-95 or whatever. Yeah. Tom is uh, getting ready to head out. Okay. Uh, well, I wanted to thank both you guys for being with me today. I think that I think that people who are asking rideshare drivers who are asking the question, should I get into the truck or I'm thinking about getting into the trucking industry who are emailing me. I think that you, you've just answered your own question. I think that, yes, you should absolutely at least be doing the research and looking into it because you, it sounds like you already have the mindset. Yeah. And if you have specific questions, feel free to reach out to us at info at tncradio.live. 
Tom will be glad to uh, respond to your emails. That's info at tncradio.live. We'd be happy to, you know, ha- have you, you know, hear from a real trucker who's really been out there and he'll give you the best advice he can, but a lot of it's going to come back to, y- you need to understand what you want out of it and the research that goes with that. Yeah. And I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's market to market specific too. I'm sure that's part of where the, which choices you make coming into this play out. Yeah. Cause like Denver might be a lot different than Des Moines. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, there's a lot of questions that I don't know the answers to. And I freely admit that, but I have a bunch of drivers and friends in a bunch of different areas and markets and parts of the industry and I have no problems asking them questions and other people's haves or, or with their permission, connecting people so that everybody can get the information. Because Tom said this early, earlier uh, real well, go to your local truck stop. Doesn't have to be big, could be just a small one. And particularly if you're willing to buy a driver a cup of coffee, odds are you'll have a new best friend. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I would think that would be a pretty easy thing to do. And I would think that you know, those, those people who get off the road, sometimes they're looking to have a conversation too. I mean, why not? And very often that is true because, because the one thing that has changed in the last 16 years is the cabs are not as isolating as they once were. Because nowadays I have the ability to get on the phone to talk to friends. I can more easily listen to entertainment and not be constantly flipping through the radio to find a station that will come in. You know, I can tune into TNC radio or download podcasts. I have a lot more opportunities. Uh, mm-hmm. If I want to contact my family, uh, they're just a phone call away. I no longer have to find a pay phone. Um, I, I, yes, I, I remember what pay phones used to be like. And, and, uh, I wasn't in the time where there was lines for the pay phones because cell phones were just becoming more com- were becoming more common among drivers. But yeah, I do remember having to buy the prepaid cards and shopping around for the best long distance plans and things like that, so I could stay in contact with the family. And technology has changed so much for the industry. But the other thing too, I want to point out the TNC radio does too. Yes, we work very hard to cover the local and national news, but uh, when the ever given was stuck, uh, we spent quite a bit of time covering how that was going to be impacting the um, trucking industry as well as the silicon shortage. So we really go out and do not just traffic and weather. We cover the various newscasts, that are happening internationally that will impact the trucking industry. Um, I'll put all of this in the linear notes too, to the show. So anybody listening, I'll put all this contact info. I'll put the email, I'll put the link to the um, TNC radio.live and uh, everybody's name. So that if they want to reach out, they'll be able to look in the linear notes and just directly contact you. Yeah. And we'll continue to play uh, those rideshare podcast and the trucker podcast. Like I said, that's uh, n- starting noon uh, Central Time. We also do it uh, in the evenings on Sunday evenings. So you can also catch um, on Sunday evenings our uh, Rideshare podcast. Is there, because um, I've been to the site, is there a breakdown on, on the schedule? There's a schedule. And, there is? Okay. I didn't I didn't get to dive in too hard enough, I guess. To Yeah, yeah it's over on the left-hand side. Uh, you can just... Uh, uh, scroll over to that and see the latest schedule. It needs to be updated because I made changes this past weekend. Okay, but, uh, <laughs> out there uh, sometime in the next few uh, few days, and it'll be up to date. Okay, 
Well, I want to thank you both for being on. And uh, Tom, you know, we've talked twice now. And uh, Tom, other Tom, it was uh, really nice to meet you. And uh, I'm sure that we'll have conversations in the future as well. well we're, it we're... was def- definitely a pleasure. And, and like I said, if any of your audience has questions, I'm more than willing to do it. And like I said, well, I joke a little bit when I say don't do about trucking. I'll be honest. I look back at, I worked at Radio Shack for almost 10 years, and I still ask myself why I didn't get into trucking center. Yeah. Well, and I was going to, I don't know if you, you probably didn't have your headset on, but I was talking to other Tom about that um, specifically, that after you said that, I was thinking to myself, the, the people that the audience, my audience that's asking me, I think is already ready. So they're not your average people who are like, hey, should I do this? There are people who have been doing rideshare and are like, I want to do this. What do I do? And, and, and those, I think a lot of the rideshare drivers, because it amazes me when I am in various towns across the country, and I use Lyft or Uber, how many times these drivers are already looking into the trucking industry or have a relative who's in it or, you know, are a driver that's home on the weekend or a long week and, you know, the wife is at work, the kids are at school, they're bored. So what are they doing? They're going out and, and picking up a few Lyft and Uber rides for, is something to do. Right. So, you know, it, it really amazes me uh, all the time, the links between uh, the Lyft and Uber drivers. And actually, one last thing I'd like to do is I'd like to thank all the Lyft and Uber drivers who continue to drive through the pandemic. Uh, you were a lifeline to a lot of us drivers because if we had to get to the doctors or to, you know just for a physical or pick up our blood pressure medications or whatever it would be, get to the grocery store, mm-hmm. you were the guys that made a lot of that possible for us. And you, know, you were a small part of keeping keeping the transportation industry moving during the pandemic and a huge thank you for that. Well, and that's, and, and I know a handful who did, you know, I mean, some, you know, when the pandemic first hit every, there were no passengers. So about for a couple months, there was no reason to even sign on the platform because you, there was nobody to pick up. Mm-hmm. But after that, it, it, then it became, who's going to do this. Yeah. You know, so to those, I, I agree, you know, let's hats off because I've been doing this a long time and, and it's been a rough road and it's been a rough road for a lot of, uh, for rideshare drivers too. And we'd be remiss before we hang up here if we didn't acknowledge the great role that truckers played throughout the entire uh, pandemic. You know, if it wasn't for them, uh, there wouldn't be any toilet paper. Ever. <laughs> I, uh, I was waiting for that. Things that, <laughs> that people that, you know, were able to get, you know, if you look around wherever you're sitting right now, if you look around, um, it didn't get there if a truck didn't bring it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a bottom line fact. That truck brought it. Uh, yeah. you know? And so, you know, if you want to make, help make changes in this world, next time you see a guy climbing down out of his truck or getting ready to get in, just look over at him and say, hey, thank you for your service. Appreciate everything you're doing. Absolutely. I agree. Big difference. Because even if you see those last, you know, that that last kind of what we call that last few mile service, you see that little box truck truck pulling up. That's not the guy who got you all the stuff. That's no. just the store taking it from a warehouse right. to the store. Right. So you got to remember the the long haul truckers or the 18 wheelers. They're the ones who are who are getting everything where it goes. You betcha. Those those factories don't stock themselves. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. We appreciate all you've done. 
Thank you, thank you very much, gentlemen. I, and you know, once again, I'd all, if any of my uh, fellow uh, brother and sister drivers out, are out there listening, thanks for all thanks for all you've done through the pandemic as well. You know, it's definitely appreciated. But you know, um, an encouraging to any driver out there, Lyft, Uber, uh, trucker, whatever, always take the opportunity to talk to somebody about what you do. Uh, you never know who you may influence or inspire to be the next truck driver or possibly a uh, person who can give information like Tom and Steve here do. So uh, I want to thank both of you for what you do for Uber and Lyft drivers as well as truck drivers. Thank you. And right back at you for driving and getting us all our goods. <laughs> all right. All right, guys. Thank you very much for coming on and uh, we'll be in touch. Sounds great. Okay. Again, many thanks to both Tom Kelly and Tom Kirk for coming on. Um, TNCRadio.live, that is where you can check out their 24-hour radio station. Um, Lots of different programming going on there, uh, lots of different shows. And as he mentioned, uh, also uh, at um, 1 p.m. Central every day, uh, or 12 p.m. Central every day, excuse me. Um, they feature the Rideshare Guy and Rideshare Rodeo uh, segments, and you can listen to replays and things like that. And I guess they use different pieces, so even I have to check it out to see what they're going to be playing. So, <laughs> But uh, I really want to thank those guys for coming on. Um, Tom Kirk was actually like literally in his truck while we were doing this, and uh, that was kind of cool to be doing this while he was waiting for his... Uh, his truck to be loaded and be able to get back out on the road. And we were able to make this happen. And I want to thank them very much. And this episode was absolutely for all of the people who have emailed me and reached out to me and asked me what I knew about the trucking industry and this and that. I started doing a little research and, you know, I knew probably about the same as you guys did. But a lot of the questions were very specific on schooling, costs, how that works, the two differences of, you know, a company paying for it or you paying for it. And I think the answers were very clear. Um, and even if you don't have the, the money to pay for it out of your pocket right now, I think they made it pretty clear, um, or Tom Kirk especially made it pretty clear that you want to look and find a way to finance trucking uh, school if you're going to go the school method yourself or... And I didn't even know this was a possibility. Um, you know, the whole three to seven thousand dollar range of what it can cost to go through the schooling, you can avoid if you can get somebody to apprentice you. And I wasn't even aware that that was a possibility. But you can learn everything from a trucker if you could find one that would take you under their wing. And uh, as long, you know, the bottom line is, it just comes down to the test: can you pass the test? Um, and I'm sure that that is a, a quite a lengthy test and a whole discussion of its own. But uh, I look forward to our relationship with uh, TNCRadio.live. And uh, I look forward to being on their program uh, whenever Tom Kelly wants me to come on for something. Um, I know that will be happening in the near future, and I'm looking forward to it. So that said, uh, that's a wrap for the week. And next week, we have... Uh, Lenny Sanchez from the Independent Driving Guild 
in Chicago, and we will be talking about um, something that's been plaguing rideshare drivers for a while now, but especially recently, and especially given the fact that rideshare drivers aren't back in mass numbers, is uh, carjackings and, you know, violence against drivers and all kinds of things that um, really are a big issue with me, a personal one. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that this is one of the initial things that I hit on back in the very beginning of this podcast. And David and I and um, others have been, uh, uh, you know, we've been very concerned about this. And Lenny is the expert in this field. Um, He is very in touch with all of this. And he's very aware of what's going on around the country. And I'm very excited to have him on next week. And after that, next week, I will have, um, well, hopefully, I'll be able to break it down even and give you some details next week in in the end notes uh, or in the outro that um, I'm going to be doing an experiment uh, for Para to show Para users about data and how their data is not misused and exactly how it works. And we're going to do a little bit of a breakdown and I think that um, all you DoorDashers out there, you're going to want to be part of this. So if you are a rideshare driver and you know a DoorDasher that doesn't listen to the podcast, get them to listen to the podcast because this is, might run a couple weeks and only be parts of the podcast for a few weeks, but it's, it's going to be interesting. So with that said, get out of here. Go catch some sun. Go catch some air conditioning, whatever your heart desires, and we will see you back here next week on the rodeo. Peace.